you're listening to Good Morning with Ashley, where we will journey through finding the good in life's transitions. Hey guys, I am so, so, so excited about this particular episode. Um, This is one of probably one of my favorite things to talk about now. Um, I am like a full-blown advocate for mental health and therapy. And this particular episode, we're just going to go ahead and call this the Big Comfy Couch. Um, And we're going to go ahead and debunk the myths of therapy in the Black community. And, um, you know, we live in a society that has a stigma on therapy and they talk about something has to be wrong with you and you must be crazy if you go to therapy. And um, I'm not going to lie. I used to be one of those people um, until, one, I had friends start sharing with me their experiences about therapy and I knew that nothing was really wrong with them, I would say mentally. Um, but more so just dealing with things emotionally that they had experienced. And um, those conversations kind of opened my eye up to possibly embracing going to therapy. Then I hit my life transition and therapy really became um, essential in my own healing. I can't speak for a lot of people, um, but it became a big deal for me. And it made me really um, seek out why you know, people have these misnomers about therapy in the black community and um, and why we don't focus on our mental health. We we put money into everything else. We go get our hair done. We get our nails done. We got the flyest kicks and we got the latest gear, but we don't take care of our minds. And that is so mind boggling to me. And so today I wanted to take time and uh, just really have this conversation. Now, I am not a therapist. I am not licensed to give any advice to people, you know, I'm just sharing my experience. But with that, I wanted to make sure that this episode was credible. So here we go. I brought on one of my favorite people in this whole wide world, my good sis, Tamaya McGee, who is also a licensed clinical social worker for the state of Michigan, but she's also a therapist. And she is going to um, have this conversation with me so that we are able to shed some light on this particular subject. She's an amazing woman. And I love her so much. And Maya, I'm so glad to have you. Hi, Maya. Hi, Ash. Well, thank you for having me. And thanks for having this conversation. I think it really is important. Um, And it's such a good time to have it now. After the pandemic, I think a lot of people had some time to sit with their um, mental health, whether good or bad. Um, So it sort of exposed the need for not only this conversation, but also the need for, um, you know, people to start being a little more intentional and starting to think about how they're taking care of their mental health. Um, So yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. I think it's great. And thanks for having me. And thanks for the introduction. Thank you. No, I appreciate you. If you don't mind, you know, just kind of giving a little bit about your um, background in the mental health field. Sure. Okay. So currently I am a crisis therapist. Um, I help people with severe mental illnesses such as schizophrenia, bipolar, borderline disorder, um, personality disorder, sort of those severe, um, those severe sorts of mental health issues. Um, I went to school at Wayne State. I got my master's in social work there. I just passed the licensing exam on November 7th, the day we got a black female vice president. Yes. Um, so really excited about that going forward. I'm going to do more, um, policy, more advocating for mental health services. So, um, yeah, this is a great, you know, segue into this change in my career that I'm headed, headed to the big house. All right. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. 
Awesome. 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 So I just got a couple questions for you. And this is kind of how we'll form the conversation. And I want to start with this one. This is the, I think the, the biggest thing that people like the biggest question I say people have as far as therapy is concerned. And that is does something have to be wrong with you or wrong in your life for you to consider going to therapy? No, it doesn't. But this is a funny question, right? Because technically something is wrong with all of us, right? Yeah, I agree. But um, no, there you don't have to have uh, like an event or trauma or something happening um, currently to go to therapy. It also doesn't even have to have ever happened to you for you to go to therapy. Therapy really is helping you to articulate your feelings, your thoughts, um, helping you to articulate events that have happened to you and sort of helping you to understand who you are today, why you are that way, how things have impacted you to get you to where you are. And then it also helps to build um, like awareness of your thoughts and awareness of your um, feelings or whatever. But the thing about therapy too is that therapy is really um, a tool to help you kind of dig in and take out all those those things that you already have inside of you. So for example, um, a lot of people t- typically think about therapy after a big tra- tragedy. Mm-hmm. Typically is yeah. when you see the most people go to therapy. Um, and so what that does is it's not helping the person uh, heal per se from that tragedy. What it's doing is pulling out tools in that person that that person already has to help themselves heal. So a lot of people look at their therapist as, oh, I need you in order to get through this. Really, no, you already have everything you need. What the therapist is doing is bringing those things to the forefront, bringing those things kind of out of you. Um, So therapy is an aid. um, And anybody, everybody can use an aid, regardless of if you've had a situation or not. Um, So I think that that's kind of one of the, the common myths is that one, something has to be wrong. Two, the therapist is doing this miraculous thing when, no, you're doing the miraculous work. They're just there to aid you, you know, kind of through that process. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I do think that it's good to have that advocacy for your feelings and for uh, anything that you may be dealing with or things that you don't even know that you're kind of dealing with. You know, I, I look at therapy essentially as a conversation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just think about it like sitting, talking to somebody who has a very unbiased opinion, doesn't really know, actually doesn't know who I am at all, um, and who can offer me, you know, some advice or give their opinion um, just based off of what I'm talking to them about and not based off of what they know about me because yeah. they don't know anything, you know. So I think that, you know, like you said, it, it's a, it's just a good thing to have as far as having an advocate is concerned. Yeah, and then, like, just really quickly, like, our thoughts and feelings are complicated. Absolutely. They're hard for us to understand ourselves, especially once something has happened or um, if you're transitioning in any way, like, staying from, you know, having a group of friends to now you're kind of solo. Like, that's a huge transition. And that bring about feelings that are unfamiliar to us. And we're used to, like, anger, sad, happy you know, the, those main feelings, but there are so many more that we mm-hmm. can't even begin to like articulate really. And when I say articulate, I don't mean talk about it. I mean, understand it and, and bring it up to yourself to even know like, what am I feeling and why am I feeling this way? And we push those feelings aside so often because of how complicated they are. And so therapy just allows you the opportunity to no longer push those complicated things aside because it's scary. Yeah. It absolutely. really is scary. And to do it solo I mean, kudos to you, right? Yeah. But um, it's really helpful to have somebody to help you through those 
kind of muddy waters because yeah. that's really what it is. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that this is a great segue into my next question, but I don't think that I would be as far in my healing journey had I not gone to therapy. Yeah. I think that I would be very stagnant, um, kind of far behind for several reasons, but therapy um, definitely being one. If I didn't have it, I don't know honestly where I would be right now in that particular process. And and I think that people, especially like, okay, this isn't just a disclaimer, a Christian podcast, but I am going to refer to God because he's a part of my life. But like having God in my life, being a Christian, yes, we are taught to pray and seek God and, oh, God has the answer. But God also created mental health professionals and those resources, you know, to help us be able to, um, like you said, have advocacy, you know. And so it's like, yes, I can pray and talk to God, but I can also go and lay on that big comfy couch and have this conversation that I need to have so that I am able to really, really um, be in touch with what I feel and be able to move past those things. And so this kind of, like I said, is a great segue into my next question, which is, would you say that therapy can change the dynamics of your healing process? Oh, for sure, for sure. Great way to ask that question, right? Because I was just going to say, um, I know some people may not like this, but honestly, going to therapy helped me develop a better prayer life because mm. I was able to not just vent to God and not just be sort of upset in prayer talking about these things. But now I have a deeper understanding like, wow, Lord, you know, this happened because of this. And like, this is what I'm feeling. And I'm talking to the therapist about it, but I need you to do this because I know that you are the actual one who can. Right, right. Do, but I didn't even, before I didn't even know what the feeling was. I'm just telling God, God, fix this. God, take this out of me. Mm -hmm. And not, you know, naming it. Yeah. I didn't know what it was until I went to therapy and my therapist was like, oh, that's what that is. And I'm like, oh, Lord, now we have a name for it. Can yes. You, can you heal that? Yeah. Okay. So transparent moment. When I went to therapy after a, a couple, maybe two or three sessions, my therapist clinically diagnosed me with having PTSD. And, you know, my thing was, how do I have PTSD? I've never been to the war, you know. Mm -hmm. OK, so how naive of me, first of all, because I really thought that you could only have PTSD. If no, you, I don't think it's naive. If you fought in the war or yeah, in the war, that's you know, the common, you know, description, most veterans. A post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, and my whole thing is like, I ain't never Not most that. veterans. I didn't mean to say that. But some. But that's how we are introduced in society to post-traumatic stress disorder per our veterans. Right. Yeah. And so that was my thought process behind it. But she was saying, no, like, you've experienced something that was traumatic. It's called post-traumatic stress uh, disorder. So post-traumatic stress disorder is when you have witnessed either directly or indirectly um, a tragic event. And when I say um, direct or indirectly, that means you could have been on the phone and something happened. That means you could have seen it um, in person. You could have seen it on TV or you could have heard about it. Mm -hmm. So any of those ways of finding out about a traumatic event um, can cause a person to have post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. So it's really um, just the way that you are sort of dealing with um, your feelings after an event. So, yeah. So, yeah, at that point is when I was introduced to triggers. And she was just like, you're going to have triggering moments, things that remind you of what you experience and things like that. And so I think my, um, like, one of my very first times being triggered was when Kobe died. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because you were with me that mm -hmm. day. Um, we were sitting on the couch watching TV. Here comes I the, we I don't even, I think it was the same day as the Grammys. Yeah. But it was like before the Grammys had happened. But it came up on my phone and I was like, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you're like, what? What's going on? I was like, Kobe died. And then I like 
broke out and Ball. like I bawled. Now I never liked Kobe Bryant to the point of bawling, but the the situation and how he died was too relatable to what I had experienced. And then the thing about experiences, right, is that had you heard about Kobe uh, prior to you experiencing something, it may have still had an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Certainly not the same way because now you're able to relate um, differently to what that feels like. Like you can relate to how the family actually feels, which is a different emotion than how it would be had you hadn't had you not experienced those things too, right? Correct. So that's sort of where the trigger comes from is like a relation. How are you relating to this? Or what is this thing happening? What is happening that's like inside of you mm-hmm. causing you to have this sort of response? Because otherwise you wouldn't have had that. No. Sort of and response. I mean, I was tore up like to the point where I didn't sleep that night. I didn't go to work the next morning. I just I was no good. And I could not believe that this was my body's way of responding to this particular tragedy. But then it all started making sense based off of what the conversations that my therapist and I had had. Um, based on triggers and, you know, PTSD and things like that. And for a while, I experienced certain moments like that when I would hear about people passing or how they pass or whatever, that would make me literally, it would put my life on pause because I felt too connected to the situation. And I don't know how I would have been able to really handle those methods had I not been to therapy. And she had given me the tools and how to center myself again to be able to, you know, keep, you know, maneuvering, um, you know, throughout my day. So, so like knowledge is power. So you went to therapy, you became more knowledgeable about your experiences within, which then gave you the power to handle it outside of the the office, to handle it outside of therapy. Um, so that's a way that certainly therapy changes the dynamic of the healing process because you get to own it now. Yeah. And you get to kind good. of be in control of it because you understand what it is. A lot of times we're not able to control our feelings because we don't understand them. We have these triggers. We don't know why we have these triggers. We don't know where they're coming from. We don't know why it's bringing this memory up that mm. we haven't thought about in so long. Um, so you kind of lose control because you don't understand it and you don't have that power over it. Um, And that's what I tell all of my clients. So my clients are severe, right? They're Mm -hmm. schizophrenic. They're hearing voices and things that they cannot control. Mm -hmm. So what I do to give them power over their their mental illness is help them know what it is. You are hallucinating. This is not a real thing, but it's making you believe that it's a real thing. So the more that they understand what is happening, the more power that they have over it, and the better they are at overcoming it and living with schizophrenia every day. Because it's the power in knowing what's going on with you, which is why I said when I started going to therapy, my prayer life became better because I have power over these emotions. Now, these emotions aren't controlling me. I'm controlling them and I'm taking them to God instead of being upset that God is allowing me to be a human being and feeling because that's what my prayers were before. Absolutely. I I love that perspective. And um, I in therapy, um, you know, one of the things that I walked into therapy thinking, well, not even therapy. Before I experienced a tragedy in myself, I thought I never understood how people like grieved past funerals. Like I felt like, okay, once the person's in the ground, all is well, you know, like, all right, now here we go back to our normal life. The real grieving doesn't start until after the funeral. Yeah. And did nobody tell me that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know that that's how, <laughs> that's how that <laughs> went. Um, Because I thought that something was wrong with me that I was, I literally, I think I cried for like 90 days straight. Like every single day, it wasn't a day that I did not cry for like 90 days. 
um, because I did not know that this is what people experience when they lost somebody close to them. And so when I started talking to my therapist about how I was feeling so overwhelmed in my emotions and how I felt like, you know, I'm doing too much. This is too much grieving and things like that. I felt like grief was very one dimensional. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, the death, sorry, the death happens, the funeral, buried, go on with your life. And she says, no, there are stages to grief. I, my 29 year old self at the time, did not know that there were stages to grief. So can you, if you don't mind, um, like expounding, like what are those stages? Yeah, so there are stages to grief. Um, People like to say there are seven stages, but um, technically there are five stages of grief. Okay. Um, The way I learned it, the stages is through um, an acronym DABDA, Mm D-A-B-D-A. And that is, um, it stands for denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. So that is sort of the cycle um, of grieving. And that cycle is not timed. It has no time frame. It is not linear. It doesn't go from one to the next and mm-hmm. then to the next to the next. Can you um, say that it's not linear? Again? Yes, it is not linear. It doesn't go straight. Ooh. It's not It's not a straight line. It doesn't make sense. Um, talking about grief is something that uh, I I can do very well just because of my experiences, but also because while grieving, I was also learning about this whole mental health thing at the same time. So a little bit of transparency. I went to grad school in 2016, and then 2017, 18, and 19, I had some pretty traumatic deaths happen uh, very close to me, and I was still in school. I didn't finish school until 2019. So, um, learning this and feeling it at the same time I feel like it gave me a little bit of an advantage I can say that now Mm -hmm. being on the other side praise God um but it gave me a little bit of an advantage because I'm able to feel this and then learn this at the same time yeah um so for me right the denial and the anger were very very intense Mm. um and for some people it's the the bargaining that's really intense and that's basically like trying to bargain with life like Literally, Lord, if you bring them back, I'll do this. Mm. Or, Lord, if you heal me from this, I'll do that. Or even just like, oh, you know, you could have took so-and-so. I mean, these are things that happen in our minds, and it's a part of the process. But I think the most important part of the grieving process, one, is knowing that it is a tornado. You're going to go from one to the other, back to the other. You may stay at one longer. You may never even experience one of those steps. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when we take the pressure off of, stages and we take the pressure off of what it should look like and how long you should do it um the grieving process could be a lot more graceful but grieving is is grievous it's oh god it's mean it's hardcore it's i mean it can get very very ugly but then the flip side of that is the acceptance and the beauty that can sort of happen after it because how i look at grief right is you experience this event, the tornado comes, it tears up the whole foundation, it tears up everything, mm-hmm. which then gives you an opportunity. It gives you an opportunity to build something beautiful, yes. or it gives you an opportunity to pick up all those ugly pieces and build something bitter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why uh, I'm so grateful that I'm a believer and was a believer at the time of all of this because I very well would have been one of the bitter ones. Um, but by the grace of God, I have been able to, you know, God has giving me beauty for these ashes right um and i think that that is the beautiful thing about it is just if you allow it if you allow grief to it can make you a very very beautiful and very helpful person to society Mm -hmm. 
um, because it just shows you so many ugly pieces, but then it also shows you so many beautiful pieces. Mm -hmm. And it takes you very, very, very low, but it also can lift you really, really high. Um, So, I mean, I was afraid of grief. I'm still afraid of grief. Um, But I also am like, not I can see you know God's grace and I can see God's hand in it and to lose siblings and say I saw God's hand in that you know that's crazy yeah that's absolutely. huge um but it's real yeah and it's God um and so I'm saying all this really to encourage somebody because when I first um experienced all of this I had to, people telling me oh, oh it's okay they're in a better place and Oh, God makes no, makes no mistakes and while that's true come on don't tell me that yeah, and I just I had to you know, do what what happened. But if I had somebody telling me, Maya, this is going to get very ugly and this is going to hurt Mm -hmm. and this is going to take some time and you are going to be upset. But I promise you, if you hang on, I promise you it'll be beautiful. If I Mm -hmm. had somebody telling me that, Mm -hmm. I would have had a little more hope in getting through this because it is ugly. Don't nobody want to hear about your dog that passed away when I'm telling you I lost my brother. I don't care about your dog. They're not the same. And I went, and I hate to say that I'm sorry, but that's really what somebody told me. Wow. Somebody told me that one time, um, and it just really angered me. But, you know, had that person not mentioned that it was a dog, but said, you know, I've been there, and it was ugly for me, too, and I despised of life, too. Um, but then I came out on this side. I think that that would have been a lot more helpful. And, you know, just a little snippet here, too, about believers in the church and the black community, because I kind of feel like they all have a similar perspective on grief also with therapy I feel like if we could just be um if we could just allow people to feel these very natural things that they feel Mm -hmm. um without the judgment without the time frames and with love like we will be a a healed people yeah totally therapy or not I think that love um is the cure to a lot of you know this pain that we're feeling a lot of these tragedies that we've experienced if we could just have a little more love and a little more grace uh, I think that that would be helpful so here with grieving right allow yourself some grace and if you know somebody that's grieving give them some grace yeah that would be good I I I agree people you know they didn't I didn't get well I'll take that back my mom because she had experienced a very my, my dad died when I was young my mom had been through that process of losing somebody that's close and she had kind of just kind of been real with me like you you're not gonna be okay for a minute but then eventually you will be. And so I was just kind of like, okay, you know, I didn't know what all of that entailed, but I had never had an anxiety attack in my life. And one day I was at work and it was like, I couldn't breathe. And I had to have somebody step into my class. And I was like, okay, I got to go to the bathroom. I don't know what's going on. And I was in a stock store that stall up. I, I mean, I had the biggest to this day anxiety attack that I've ever had. And I remember calling my mom and saying, mom, I need you to pray for me because I don't feel like I'm going to make it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with me, but I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Like something is wrong, you know? And so I remember her taking that time. I got her on speakerphone in a stall in a public bathroom yeah. and she's praying for me. I mean, going in tongues and all Holy Ghost falling so that I could get myself together because sometimes you forget what you know in these, in these times. It's like, I knew God for myself, of course. But my goodness, it was like he was so far away from yeah. me, you know, when all yeah. of this stuff was happening. And so it rips up everything that you thought. It rips up everything that you knew you have to learn again. Yes. You got to learn yes. again how to be OK, because I tell people this all the time. You're going to be better, but you'll never be the same. Yeah. And a lot of us think that 
um, oh, when things go back to normal or I'm going to go back to who I used to be, you can't because you can never be the person that you were before the tragedy because the tragedy happened. Yes. You can never be the person that you were before the transition because the transition happened. Yeah. So now you have to learn a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of coping, a new way of dealing. Um, and I think that we don't allow that because we want things to be normal, but mm-hmm. they're not going to be the same. They're not going to be the normal that you knew. There's going to be a new normal, yeah. but not the normal that you knew. And then, yeah, grief has physical responses. Grief yeah. has mental responses. Grief has emotional responses and grief has long, a long term impact. Um, I don't really think I think that once you uh, grieve, I think the grieving process is a continuum. Um, I do think that you learn to live with it. You become stronger. You become better at dealing with it. But as long as whoever that person is that you lost is not here, there's going to be grief. Absolutely. Well, we're getting ready to wrap it up. I do have um, basically one last question for you, and then I want you to give us some resources. What would you say to the person that's teetering on the fence about um, beginning therapy? And then give us some resources on how we can... Uh, start stepping into our journey of, you know, being good mentally and in mental health. Yeah. Okay. So I would say just go for it. Just try it. Um, maybe have a phone consultation um, or maybe yeah, go sit on somebody's couch and just give it a chance. Um, and like we already said earlier, it doesn't have to be anything wrong with you. You can just have some thoughts in your mind that you want someone to help you uh, make sense of or however um, I would say give it a give it a try. Just give it a chance. Um, and I say that so easily, like finding a therapist is easy. It is not. I know it isn't. I'm mm-hmm. a therapist myself and it is not easy. Yeah. Um, but you can start with contacting your insurance. First of all, this whole mental health wave, um, although we do have a lot of providers now um, offering these services at prices that make sense, it is still very expensive. Um I will start with calling your insurance companies, seeing what they offer. Mm-hmm. Um some of them may be free, some may not. And then from there, I will get very particular about uh, who you want to help you in this journey. Yeah. Um, whether that's male, female, black, white, however, what experiences you want them to have. Do you want them to be an expert at life coaching? Do you want them to be an expert at family counseling? Um, I think that that will make your search a lot easier if you um, knew what you were looking for while you were um while you were looking. And then I also say, give it three sessions before you say no, Um, because you're getting to know that person. That person's getting to know you. It's kind of breaking the ice, walking on eggshells a little bit. Um, But by the third session, you should kind of know whether or not you like this person. And also tell them if you don't like them, that's okay. (laughs) And you don't have to tell them in a way that's rude, but they need to know one so that they can perfect their work. And then also because you're paying for this or if you're not paying for it, your insurance is paying for it and you're paying for your insurance. <laughs> so you don't want to be in a situation that is not fully beneficial. Um, it will not hurt our feelings as providers. We want to give you the best that we can. And if we're not that, let us know. One, we can help you find somebody who is. And then two, it'll help us to learn, you know, different. I mean, everybody's different. So we may think that one style work and it may not. So be honest about what you like about your therapist, what you do not like about your therapist and let them know what you're looking for. It can help both of you guys and they won't be offended. I promise. Absolutely. Well, Maya, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you being on this uh, particular episode with me. It is okay, guys, to go and lay on that big, comfy couch. I'm telling you. It is life changing and it may not be everybody's portion, 
But for those of you who do decide to partake, I don't think that you'll regret um, taking time to really invest in your mental health. Um, so I just want to thank you guys for listening to the Good Morning Podcast, where we are journeying uh, through finding the good in life transition. And I want you to remember that you will live again, laugh again, and love again. 